As a vocal trio working without instruments and often singing in a language foreign to your audience, you worried about how deeply you could resonate. But years and many foreign tours later, you know that not only were your initial worries unwarranted, if anything, you underestimated the power of music to connect. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange stories. When we were in Georgia, the country Georgia, not the state, I always say that because a lot of times in the US, people are like, oh, what's what's the big deal? Um, so we were in the country Georgia and um, in our set in in that tour, we had the song Georgia on my mind um, by Ray Charles. It's, you know, it's an American classic uh, and, and Jamal, our baritone um, in, in the group at the time was such a beautiful singer and it just, it was a hit no matter where and how we did it. And we thought, oh, we're going to Georgia. I mean, this is going to be They're gonna love this. amazing. They're going to freak out when they hear this. Um, and we noticed that it got kind of a, a, not a tepid response, but, you know, people were, were clapping that's politely nice. at the end. And we that's thought, that's nice. so weird. We thought people would really resonate. And then our, our interpreter, Eka, told us afterwards that uh, Georgians don't call the country Georgia, Georgia. They call it Sakartvelo. <laughs> Uh, which is not at all like the word Georgia. <laughs> and so we kind of, um, we maybe uh, took for granted that when you're in a new country, there's a new language and yeah. people typically call their country uh, its name in its native language and not in the language of the visitors. So anyway, so Georgia didn't work in that way, but it was a really fun experience to realize that we had taken that for granted and we got to learn something. You know, we were able to joke about that in future shows on stage. We're going to sing our next song for you. It's called Georgia. And then there are crickets. And we say, oh, sorry, it's called Sakartvelo. And people are like, oh my gosh, they're going to sing a, a Georgian folk song. And then we could disappoint them. <laughs> This week, genuine community engagement, taking another extra second to truly understand someone, Georgia on one's mind, and two exclusive Little Nook performances. Join us on our journey from the United States all around the world, searching for and finding Sweet Harmony. It's 2233. Oh, welcome to 96.5, where all the cool kids and cats are at. Spinning the top 40 from the artists you know and love. If the sound is hot, you know we got it, so take your hand off that dial. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show on WFBX Radio. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. Exchanges shaped who I am. And when you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them, they are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Ooh, yes. My name is Alfredo Austin. I am from Delaware, and I am a professional musician and producer. My name is Richard Steigner. I'm from Denver, Colorado, and I am also a professional musician, and I'm the beatboxer in Freedom's Boombox. <laughs> and I am Christopher Diaz. I'm from Newport News, Virginia. I'm not a professional musician. <laughs> I'm fully an amateur one. 
Um, but I am a professional school teacher of children uh, at the Miami Valley School in Dayton, Ohio, and I sing bass in Freedom's Boombox. Um, we are a vocal trio, meaning that we don't use instruments, we only use our voices to sing a cappella music, sometimes originals, sometimes covers. We all met about eight years ago on a television show called The Sing Off, uh, which is a competition show on NBC. And none of their groups, none of our groups won. And so we weren't under contract to do anything after the show. So we became friends during that experience. And then Freedom's Boombox was born. And we've carried on for the past several years doing tours through American music abroad. Uh, we've done three AMA tours, which have taken us to uh, to Central Asia, to Part of the Middle East, the Middle East yep. and North Africa. And to Africa, to Madagascar and Uganda. So we've been doing a lot of those tours. We also work with Arts Envoy to do one-offs. And occasionally we will do performances just with a post who has heard about us or seen one of our many YouTube videos of varying qualities and <laughs> decided that they wanted to hear more. Uh, and so most recently we were in uh, Madagascar and Uganda and in Equatorial Guinea. <laughs> I like your style. I like it. Ooh, I like it. Baby, I, I, I like your style. I like it. Oh, rips on your way. So we get asked a lot, you know, what do you do when you go to Africa? Um, obviously, we're doing a lot of different things. Of course, we're performing lots of performances at, uh, at schools and libraries and kind of wherever there is a need, but also a lot of connection. I think we hear terms like community engagement. In the context of these tours, what it means is literally going out and around people uh, and talking to them. We do a lot of collaboration, so we'll try to learn a local folk song or pop song and perform it with people from the region. We eat a lot of local food. We also learn a lot of the language. Um, we try to engage with local art and customs and culture. So it really is a full exchange in the sense that we do some performing, we do some working and workshopping, but then we really do try to, to immerse ourselves in the local culture, get to know what it's like to live as an Azeri person for a day or uh, a Malagasy person for a day. Where do you want to go? Cause if you're down, I'll take it slow. And make you lose control. One of my biggest pet peeves is when uh, you speak to somebody in a different language or they're trying to speak your language maybe um, and they maybe struggle through something and then you you sort of laugh and say, ha ha, yeah, 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 without really understanding what they said. And I think that that is at its core somewhat insulting. Um, if you're not listening to somebody and it really just takes maybe another second to say like I, I didn't understand that or can you say that in a different way and just just taking an extra minute and saying like okay I didn't get it the first time let me try just a little bit more to understand it I think that that really helps um, also we use we use music which makes it a lot easier so um, we can sing something from you know Lady Gaga in English and people understand that or um, one of the things that we, I use a, uh, usually a, a number or something from a different country to teach beatboxing. Like in Chinese, you can say she she, which sounds like a shaker. Or in Arabic, you can count to five, which is khamsa, uh, which is it kind of get the sounds out. And it just starts to kind of break down a couple of barriers. It's like really little things. It really doesn't take that much. <sighs> I think a big thing that um, a lot of people thought, if you see black people with a backwards cap, they're gangster. 
they're surprised that maybe we're not rapping. Are you a rapper? It's like, no. Are you an athlete? Mm -hmm. No. Because that's the context in which they see African-Americans in. Or I would say some of these things are, are true. We are loud. We are loud. We are fun. And <laughs> when we were in, I think it was Asia, it's like loud, fun, and fat. Mm -hmm. I think we're the <laughs> so some of the assumptions were true, but I think they were also, they were surprised by how diverse we were and how many like especially with our group within the exchange and even this group we have different sexual orientations we look different we come from different backgrounds i liked that mm -hmm. i like being able to present ourselves as something different than what they saw my heart was wrapped up in the night I took one look at you So one time when I remember being kind of surprised, I would say, how much I felt kind of like a unicorn when we were in uh, Kazakhstan. And I mean, to the point where people were, we were in a mall on an escalator and people were like sneaking pictures because they've never seen a black person before. <laughs> it was like crazy, and, but it actually presented an opportunity to um, to communicate with some of the locals. Like, hey, did you just want a picture? You don't actually have to sneak the picture. You know? <laughs> and they were, they were happy. They would ask, oh, where are you from? Are you from America? And yeah, and they spoke the 30 words of English that they knew and we connected in that moment and they probably have a memory that they will remember forever. So that photo and a photo as well. And here we are in heaven. And you are mine. We are fed kind of images and narratives about places and other places are also fed images and narratives about us and those those aren't inherently bad, but by virtue of their scope can only really scratch the surface. They can only really offer kind of totems of stories rather than the full experience. And so one of, I think, the big things that we like, uh, that we like to take a a along with us is this idea that um, we don't actually think that we are better than anyone. We really want to be present in our tours and in our experiences with people. We really don't want to be on our phones very much. We really want to look people in the face a lot. And I think that that has surprised a lot of people in other countries because I think there may be fed a narrative that um, that in America, and, and they're not totally wrong, that we're a rather self-absorbed bunch of people, that we're, we're, we're very individualistic and we really value 
our autonomy and our sovereignty as people to do what we want. Um, whereas a lot of other cultures are really community-based. They're focused really on how the sum can advance an agenda. Uh, and so it's really, I think, surprising to people when we're in conversation and we really try to engage. I mean, I think Richard's one of the best at this, maybe I've met ever, even if you don't understand fully, fundamentally what's being said, you stick with it. And I think that that degree of attention to people, it means a lot, even when, you know, even when they can tell, like, you're not really getting me, but but we'll stick with it. I think that um, that showing that side of American tenacity is also a really exciting way to kind of to debunk a, a myth about uh, a whole people. I remember when we first were going to Saudi Arabia and I was very worried just because all really what you see on the news you don't see like if you live in a like Philadelphia you see oh they're having like a fun festival you see a lot of different things not just the bad but when something makes global news usually it's it's bad news it's something catastrophic so a lot of the reports that were coming through were pretty much suicide bombers and so when we hopped on the flight, I was very worried. And when we landed, I was worried. And then when we got there, we met some really incredible people who made us feel at home. And what I learned personally from there was that most people are the same wherever you go. Like most people want, they want safety. They want to have a good time. They want to have a job that you know, is enough to support their family. And it's the 0.00001% that makes the global news that creates this identity for a place that most people will never go in their lives. Um, so when I go back home, when I went back home, everyone was like, oh my goodness, how was it? It's like, it's actually great. And I told them that it's not what you see on TV. And also, they have a perception of Americans as well when we walk in. And I think we... Uh, hopefully took some of those worries away. I see the path that I must take But I never imagined the troubles I'd face So I look ahead to better days And every step gets me closer to that place And I'm on my way I'm on my way I'm on my way from the pains of I think why we why we use music and particularly a cappella is because the voice is something that that really everybody generally has is the ability to speak and somewhat the ability to sing and and through that usually it takes maybe one or two songs of singing something that people understand and get and then we try to uh, incorporate them into the show with some interactivity and Usually after every performance, people come up and, and they get it. They understand and they can communicate with us. They feel like they've connected in some regard. If you with me, let me hear you say. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Yeah, boy. Our goal, almost always in these exchanges, is, is really fundamentally the connection aspect. It's actually not so much the performing and getting our name out there and making new fans. I mean, that's very wonderful and helpful and um and we're very excited that people want to follow along on our journey after we've left but 
really the whole point of going is to show people a little bit of what our country looks like in practice. Food and art are, and stories, you know, are, are the best ways to connect. And music uh, really kind of brings the feeling of all of those things together. It also carries with it a sense of identity. A lot of the music that we perform and that we interact with, it says something about the performer. For instance, we do a lot of, of, uh, of jazz and rock and roll and R&B, and those are distinctly American art forms, which are born of our very peculiar and unique mixture of people and experiences. And so when we perform those things, we are getting to share something about which we are, are proud and conflicted and, and, and that define us. But we also get to connect with those same sorts of experiences from the places we visit. You know, we make it a point to always try and learn a local song, a folk song or a pop song, um, just something that people know and that they connect with so that we can share in their national pride. Um, and so what, what we have found is that attention to to identity through music, it allows us to start talking about things which have nothing to do with music. Using, for instance, rock and roll, it's a really great example, it's a really great uh, opportunity to talk to people about how that music, which maybe the narrative suggests is performed by white guys with guitars, is the fusion of blues and of jazz and of ragtime and of rockabilly and of cowboy songs and of country music and all those things coming together, it gives us a chance to say, not only are we singing this thing, which is the result, but look at us. We're a rainbow, you know, you can't see us, dear listener, but <laughs> but we are we're a spectrum of, of, of human colors. And as Fredo mentioned, we come from all different places. So music is really one of those ways that uh, creates trust and allows us to start talking about the things uh, that we write the music about, <laughs> which is pretty cool. So when we went to Madagascar, we worked with um, a group of eight young boys uh, called Zaza Kantu, also known as the Underground Boys of Tana. These kids were, I, I believe all of them were homeless or at least very impoverished. Seeing these kids sing with so much joy. We put together a show throughout the week. We worked with a lot of different uh, musicians, a lot of different um, vocal groups, but they were the main focus, at least for us. On the big show, it got televised all over, all over the country, actually. And just seeing these eight boys on stage shine. Like, I mean, you should have heard this audience. Like, we had to go on after them, and I was, like, almost in tears. I had to fight back the tears just to see, like, them be appreciated. Because a lot of their videos were them on the streets, like, and they kind of were going viral because they were so incredible. But to actually put them in a position where they could be seen by the whole entire country and have the lights on them and have the microphones and an audience who truly appreciated them. I mean, that also has carried on for as far as uh, them performing, giving them a lot more performance opportunities. Like, I really think that's a, that's a group that people around the world need to see. And I think it was awesome to feel like we were a part of the first step towards that. Right now. 
I think the the main theme for all of these has been kids. Basically, uh, adults have you know we've got our own thing, but uh, kids seem to respond so clearly to music. And just a quick anecdote that I thought of is that my sister has two two kids now, and one of them was having a, a crying fit or something like that, and she put on one of our videos, and she stopped crying. She just looked at the video and watched it, and she emailed me. She's like, "Please make more videos." <laughs> More colors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what More it is. More major key songs. Exactly. <laughs> Moving and yeah. It's uh, it's just I don't know. It's remarkable. I think kids respond to music so well, and maybe that's maybe that's something we get rid of as grownups. And I don't know. I kind of enjoy reconnecting with my <laughs> adolescent <laughs> self. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One, two. Dum 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 dum. I worry about nothing. I worry about nada. I'm sitting pretty and patient, but I know you gotta, gotta put in them hours. I'ma make it harder. I'm sending pick after picture, gonna get you fired. I know you're always up for the night shift, but I can't stand these much. Explanation Cause baby you're the boss at home uh, uh, come on You ain't gotta go to work 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 But you gotta put in work 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 You ain't gotta go to work 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 Let my body do the work 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 from home. Yeah, go, go to work for me. Can you make it clap? No hands for me. Take it to the ground, pick it up for me. Look back at it all over me. Put it work like my time sheet. She ride it like a 63. I'ma buy no Celine. Let her ride in the far room with me. Oh, she a bear. I'm a bull. And she down to break the rules. Ride or die. She won't. I won't judge. She finesse. I pipe up. She take that put it over time on your body you ain't gotta go to work 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 but you gotta put in work 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 you ain't gotta go to work 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 let my body do the work 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 you ain't gotta go to work 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 let my body do the we were in Swaziland. We went to go see kind of like a tribe do like traditional dances. And this was the first time I had been to another country where everyone looked like me. This is the first time that we had been anywhere like that. Um, and... I don't know, it made me very proud. And I know that a lot of African-Americans, they don't really have that connection with with Africa, period. And I think just the joy in which they danced and their singing and it was so, you could you could feel like you were together with them, even though I've never seen anything like it in my life. And it just, it felt like I was at one heart with them, like, and I just wish that my family could have been there to see that because it was very moving. 
And I told them, I was like, you guys, when I got back, I was like, you need to go to Africa. Like, you need to. Because I didn't know it would move me like that. I had no idea. But I I have a very strong feeling it would make them feel the same. Wild, wild, wild. Wild, wild, wild thoughts. Wild, wild, wild. Hey, when I'm with you. The place that stands out in my mind when I remember thinking, I wish I wish my people could see this was when we were in the West Bank. Um, I think uh, Americans, I think a lot of the world has a lot of ideas about what's happening in the region. But um, those narratives tend to, mm, to, to diminish or ignore really the presence of just everyday people who live through the experiences of of geopolitical and, uh, and social conflict. And, you know, when we were in the West Bank and in Jerusalem, um, I remember walking through the old city and seeing each of the major religious sites and thinking, you know, my family who, who really have a very singular vision, I think, of, of their religious identity and of their cultural identity, I think they would be so stunned to see how maybe the, the visuals are a little different, but the themes are all the same. Um, and I, I just remember feeling very, very lucky to get to see firsthand kind of the tension in that plurality, which is the thing that we live with in the United States all the time. And I wish that more people could experience the, I think I find that tension in a lot of ways invigorating because it, it forces me to think about what I stand for and what I believe and what I want. And I wish that for everyone, not just my family. I wish that everyone could get the chance to confront themselves um, through the lens of a of, uh, of travel. One time I remember where we were in Georgia and we were going to perform at a school. I mean, usually when we go to a school, it's like, okay, it, um, here's the auditorium, blah, blah, blah. You meet maybe the principal or... And then you go set up and the kids file in and do their show. But for this particular school, we walk in and it's like all the kids in the school like applauding and they sang for us and they gave us a presentation of their whole school. They made they made baklava mm -hmm. for us. They made a bunch of different cookies. And I mean, it just felt like, wow, they, they, they've never met us. They don't know us. And yet they were this open and warm and they gave us a tour of the whole school and they were an awesome audience. I mean, it just, it made me feel incredible. You know, uh, it was, I don't know, very heartwarming and they were very sweet. <laughs> when I'm with you, yeah. when I'm with you, You know, we always lead lead and end our workshops with, especially in other countries, what is something that um, that people in America need to know about you? We always ask that. And um, and I will share that when we did our North Africa and Middle Eastern tour, we asked this a lot. We went to Tunisia, Morocco, Jordan, and Jerusalem and the West Bank. And we asked all of our workshoppers, what is something that Americans need to know about you? And we were working with people ages 8 to 16, mostly. And I think we would all agree that the overwhelming response that we got first in most of those places was we want Americans to know that we are not terrorists. And 
uh, as a you know as a cultural diplomat, that is frankly heartbreaking to hear. But it is also my responsibility to convey that information to people, and so I felt like it was important to say that in this venue because that's a thing that sticks with with us. And um, and to that end, you know, when I uh, when we return, I can't speak for the guys, but when I come back to the United States, I absolutely feel like I have a heightened sense of both empathy and sympathy um, because I know the feeling of uh, of feeling like what you really are is not being represented to people. Um, but I also just feel bad that that is something, uh, you know, that any young person would think at all. You know, at 13, I wasn't thinking really about what, uh, what Tunisians thought about me. Um, and so I can say that it has really helped me to stop and think a little bit about what people are going through which I know sounds so cliche, but you know, I deal with students every day and I, I always remember that um, you know, even though we have our day-to-day -day struggles, there's a broader narrative which is pushing down on us. You know, impressions are pushing down on us uh, from all angles. And I try to be mindful of the fact that um, everybody is obviously going through personal trials, but they're also subject to our broad opinions and, and our subjective criticisms of what, of what they are. And a lot of times they're wrong. That was a very wordy way to say that. I think it makes me more warm to people because we're all going through something. We try to do this everywhere is just to say thank you and express gratitude. Uh, there's a lot of people that have brought us in without maybe knowing us or they've taken a chance on us as a group of singers and and so we are we are grateful for that because without probably a million people around us we wouldn't have been able to travel around so so if you've helped us out in the past and you're listening to this thank you the moms and dads where we stay at somebody's house or a public affairs officer out there we are we remember you and we're grateful for you that's important to say I hope that people who listen to this know that even though you might be feeling, especially based on, you know, what you see on, on social media or on the news, you might be feeling like there's really one thing happening in the world or, or in our government or in the State Department. You should know that, um, you know, it is, it is the United States government which, which, which sponsors these trips, which sends us out to places to share American culture and to absorb the culture of other places in the world with the express purpose of making our country more diverse, of making it more open and, and more empathetic and more accepting. Um, so I would just encourage people to not lose hope, you know, when things look negative, uh, you know, when, when stories and narratives are negative, to, to remember that there are hundreds and thousands of people whose life's work is to connect us all and to make the world a better place. And even though it doesn't feel like that sometimes, even though you're not hearing those stories out loud, hopefully ours are, are part of that in your mind. And just know that there really are so many amazing, amazing things happening under the auspices of our very own government and State Department, but also out in the world, which are really about making the world better for people. That sort of work is happening actively. And we're very l lucky and fortunate to have been able to see a lot of that. And I just think it's worth saying that sometimes because it can be very easy to get sucked down into kind of the, the, the volatility of our, you know, of what you see on the internet. Don't let me down. Don't let me down.
we got the chance to tour with the Backstreet Boys through Europe um, with two of our former guys, Aaron and Jamal. And we went as an acapella group. We did all of the old Olympic stadiums that they have there. And our, that was to sort of answer an earlier question that I felt a little nervous about how well acapella is going to stand up in an arena. And I remember probably two songs in, you could see the people start to move a little bit and get with it. And that was one of the times where I thought, okay, what we're doing isn't just like a novelty kind of thing because it's all voices and beatboxing, but it's actually, it can reach people, not just on sort of um, a person to person level, but in a big, huge setting like this. And I remember thinking like, yeah, I wish, I wish my family could be here for that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that was, was right. One, two, three. Who's that sexy thing I see over there? Uh, oh, that's me standing in the mirror. What's that icy thing hanging around my neck? That's cold. Now show me some respect. Oh, I think I'd ever be day. I woke up feeling this way I can't help loving myself And I don't need nobody else Now if I was you, I'd wanna be me too I'd wanna be me too I'd wanna be me if it were too If I was you, I'd wanna be me too I'd wanna be me too I'd wanna be me La 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 Walk it like a dime piece, go straight to the IP. Never pay for my drinks, my entourage behind me. I like some movie Tom Cruise. Bless me, baby, I too. Even though they try to, they can't do it like I do. I thank God every day that I woke up feeling this way. I can't help loving myself. I was you, I'd wanna be me too. I'd wanna be me too. I'd wanna be me if it were too. If I was you, I'd wanna be me too. I'd wanna be me too. I'd wanna be me too. We did uh, an American Music Abroad tour through Central Asia. So we went to Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Azerbaijan, and Georgia. It was a long tour, very involved. Um, but I remember we spent about a week in Kazakhstan, and we went to um, to an orphanage about two and a half hours north of, of Nur Sultan. It was Astana when we were there. And we went to an orphanage which housed primarily children with developmental disabilities or, or whose parents had abandoned them or, or perished because of their uh, relationship with drugs. And so a lot of these kids weren't able to, to walk around or, or, or even really to sing with us. But we really treated that workshop no differently as, as we would any of the others. And we went in with the goal of, of just being friendly and being approachable and sharing some music and some art. And I can say it was really one of the most meaningful experiences of my entire life because a lot of those 
children, they really just wanted to be touched. You know, they wanted to be seen. They wanted people to look at them and in their eyes and to see their inherent humanity, you know, to see that they're, they're real people. And, and I remember we sang for them and we clapped and we danced as much as we could. And, and we really, we played, you know, we, we kicked a ball around and, and we just hung out with him. And I remember thinking, what an odd day that was for a musician, you know, for a singer. I went and I didn't really do a show. I just kind of hung out with kids. But then it occurred to me that that might be the only time that a lot of those kids really get that sort of connection from anyone, much less from a highly privileged American man. That really sticks with me as a chance to that we had to really connect with people. And I may and likely will never see any of those children again, a fact which to this day I, I consistently remember and, and, and it does give me feelings. But I do also carry around with me the memory of having made an impact in their lives and whether or not they know it, here I am a few years later telling, telling all of you about this. So clearly it made a deep impact on me. It's informed my worldview. It's informed the way that I deal with my children as a school teacher. It's informed the way that I interact with the world broadly, um, which is quite literally like, like we can end this here. Like that's the point of, of what we're doing is to use our music to see people, to just see them. Twenty two thirty three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name's Christopher Wurst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty two thirty three is named for Title Twenty two, Chapter Thirty three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government funded international exchange programs. This week, Alfredo Austin III, Christopher Diaz, and Richard Stegner, collectively known as Freedom's Boombox, talked about their overseas experiences with the American Music Abroad and Arts Envoy programs. For more about cultural and other ECA exchange programs, check out eca.state.gov. We encourage you to subscribe to 2233. You can do so wherever you find your podcasts. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at ECA Collaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Photos of each week's interviewee and complete episode transcripts can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov slash 2233. And you can check us out on Instagram at 2233stories. Special thanks to our team at the Collaboratory, including our virtual interns, Laurel Stickley, Cynthia Uba, and Kelly Zhang. Special thanks also to Austin, Chris, and Richard for their stories, their musical diplomacy, and their voices. To learn more about them, check out freedoms/boombox.com. I did the interview and edited this segment. Featured Freedoms Boombox music included One Dance, At Last, I'm On My Way, Wild Thoughts, and Don't Let Me Down. The band's exclusive Little Nook performances were Work From Home and Me Too. Also heard was a song by Zaza Kantu, the incredible boy band from Madagascar. Music at the top of this episode was Sebastian by How the Night Came, and the end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagir Lius. Until next time. That's kind of one of the great things about kindness is that it grows so exponentially and it grabs onto other acts of kindness so that you almost forget what the one act was that started the flood of goodwill.